0: Welcome to Body Liberation for All. I'm your host, Dahlia Kinsey. This show is dedicated to bringing you all of the wellness and self-care tips that you need to live your best life. Unlike other sources, this one is focused on BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus people. There are a ton of self-help shows out there, but how many are designed just for us? So if you're ready for all of the self-help and none of the white or het supremacy, you've come to the right place. Today, we are joined by the gay leadership dude, Dr. Steve Yacovelli. Having a marginalized identity that requires you to grow in certain ways in order to thrive in a professional environment, this can be an asset, an asset you can leverage. Sometimes just acknowledging the existence of something amplifies its power. So I love that Steve has named it and written an entire book about it so that we can step into that power and access one more thing that we have in our toolkit to help us thrive. If you love leadership and you are working in any kind of corporate environment, this is the perfect conversation for you, but truly, The way Dr. Steve breaks it down, leadership really isn't just about being a leader by title only. Leadership is something that is accessible to everyone and we can all show up as leaders in our own lives. Alright, let's get right into this conversation.
1: Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept when the world is tripping out. Tell them that you love yourself. Hey, hey, smile on them, live your life just how you like it. It's your party, negativity is not invited for my queer folk, my trans, people of color, let your voice be heard. Look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first. You were born to win. Head up how with confidence. This show is for everyone. So I thank you for tuning in. Let's go.
0: Hello, Dr. Steve. Thank you so much for coming on today.
2: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: So this is a fairly new undertaking for me. I have another show that just lately started to feel like it really wasn't as focused on intersectionality and social justice as I wanted it to be. And it does feel like right now everybody's kind of on fire for that sort of thing. But there are other people who've been doing this work for years and years and years. And so I'm very interested to speak to people like you because even just looking at your website, like right out the gate, you see that your whole mission is helping all types of people to see that they are leaders.
2: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And very astute of you. Good job for doing your homework. because, yeah, that is one of the things that we try to do. And and what I find really, really exciting is to think about how you convey that story and that message and that inclusivity in not just the words, but also the visuals, You know how it's laid out, the accessibility of everything, and just making those people think, uh, those being everybody, um, that... I can, I'm, I'm here. I'm someplace that welcomes me. And now I can explore being a leader regardless of my demographic or, or, or who I am or where I came from.
0: Absolutely. And that, that honestly, that is huge. And even the concept of intersectionality, I think a lot of people still really aren't getting it. So when did you have your vision for Top Dog and how did you know what you needed to do to really create an inclusive space?
2: So Top Dog started actually when I was still full-time with Disney. Um, I'm a former Disney cast member, and uh, I just got my job working at Disney Cruise Line. I was an internal leadership and diversity consultant. And, and so I was on board one of the ships, and the woman whose job I was taking, were, you know I was kind of shadowing her on the ship. And she kind of looked at me and she said, we need to have dinner. I'm like, well, we're on a ship for seven days, so we're not going anywhere. She's like, no, no, no let's, let's go have a private dinner. So we had a chat. And she's like, we need to start a company. I'm like, we have jobs. She's like, no, no, no. Together, we're the perfect chief learning officer. Let's start a part-time business. And we're like, okay. So we went to our senior executive at Disney and told her this story. And she's like, okay, two rules. Don't use Disney stuff. Don't use Disney time. Have fun. And we're like, yay. So we kind of went off. And, and it started with the, the the shared passion and vision around leadership development, but also being inclusive. And this is back in like 2002. Um, when we were working there. And so we did it part-time. That was kind of fun. And then we kind of went our separate ways Professionally, although she's like one of my BFFs, and technically now works for me again, which is kind of cool. But uh, in 2008, I took Top Dog to be my full time gig just to see what would happen. And again, you know, being a member of the LGBTQ blue community, I have some bit of understanding of being the other. But then I'm also a white cisgender dude, so then there's that difference. So seeking out um, different perspectives from all my colleagues out there. But I always knew that at the foundation of Top Dog was being inclusive regardless. Um, because it's about leadership first. And then it's the, the leadership that each one of us brings through our own awesome unique lens of the different facets of diversity. And and that is power. And we wanted to make sure early on that we embraced that and, and we've since really tried to help leaders understand that by being a woman of color, by being a white gay man, by being a, a, a trans person, you are looking at the world through these gorgeous different lenses. And then you put the leadership lens in front of that. And that just makes things even more awesome.
0: I love that. And that you were thinking about this in 2002, for me, is huge because I I finished high school in 2000 and people were still doing black phase. People were like, people,
2: <laughs> no. it
0: wasn't a great time. It doesn't seem like that long ago. But then when you really look at it, we've come a long way. Yeah. And of course, marriage equality wasn't a thing yep. in 2002, <sighs> So we've made a lot of progress, but especially recently, I see we've got a long way yeah. to go. So how do you feel knowing that? Do you ever get discouraged feeling like, why isn't this moving faster? Or how do you keep yourself engaged with social justice?
2: Well, and that's a fantastic question. And I, and I think I will be completely transparent and say my, my white privilege was showing Several years ago, because when things shifted in two thousand and sixteen you know and 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 suddenly like the rock was lifted, and all this ugliness started really, really coming to the surface, my little whiteness was like oh." Crap! I thought we were kind of beyond this, and and that's that's where you know my experience as a white guy is not wasn't really that awesome, even though I'm in this space, and so I do a lot of work on unconscious bias, and that's where it's like you know that was the big slap in the face for me and so many others in this this area that maybe aren't being repressed in certain different ways. I mean, obviously as a gay person I am, but I'm 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 not a, a person of color, so and I'm a, a dude, so that was the awesome big wake up moment. I know for me personally was that wow yeah, we've come so far, but we have so, so much farther to go. And I think for me personally, as someone who advocates for social justice, it's finding those small wins and celebrating them. And and I tend to be a glass half full kind of guy anyway. And so, you know, what what is the good stuff that's happening? I mean, you know, the horrible things that have happened of late with our friends of color and our brothers and sisters of color, you know, and, and I'm not not belittling the, the horrible stupidity, grossness of that, but what is the goodness and, and what can we focus on? Or you know, anything that happens with with you know putting little tiny brown children in cages. Okay, that's horrible. What can we do about it? Oh look, people are now starting to get that focus on. And and so you know, I I try to see those positive lights there. And that's kind of what keeps me me kind of moving forward.
0: That's really helpful. And I love that you're transparent and that Even working in diversity, equity, and inclusion, you could still have moments where white privilege blinds you from other people's experience. I think a lot of people are afraid that they have to be totally perfect. And if they don't know everything, that they can't get started. But to know that you're a leader in this space and you still find room to grow is encouraging.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I think and I think that's this. And I'm not calling myself smart, but that's the right attitude. Because if you go into this this kind of work thinking you can't say anything until you're absolutely the most perfect ally or the most perfect representative of your team, you're you're not going to say anything. And uh, I know um, several years ago, I I really wanted to be a better advocate for my trans brothers and sisters. So and i stumbled my way through it and i made massive mistakes and i still make mistakes but i'm humble enough to to ask the right questions and it's not asking the right questions but it's also then listening for the answers and that's a very and when we get into like just teaching leadership in general that's a very not common thing to do. Um, Stephen Covey always said, uh, to paraphrase him, we tend to listen to respond versus listen to understand. Mm-hmm. And and that's massive leadership 101. If you can listen to understand, you're just going to propel yourself that much further when it comes to being an effective leader and an effective champion of change.
0: That absolutely makes sense. And that definitely is a problem. Of, <laughs> I see it all over the place. Especially now with all the stress that lots of organizations are under, because we're kind of having yeah. to pivot, especially if we used to do a lot of our work in person. So communication, all the weaknesses with communication have come to the surface and they're breaking a lot of teams. Yeah. But I, I will say, like you mentioned, you know, there are positives to be found even through these really, really rough patches. Mm -hmm. I've found clarity in what I feel like I should be doing with my life. And I keep hearing this from other creatives and other entrepreneurs that maybe before we were playing down parts of our identity Mm -hmm. because sometimes the pushback for really just fully incorporating your marginalized identities into your business, it can feel like a lot. But then... Once George Floyd died and a couple of the professional organizations I belong to failed to say anything, like not a peep, nothing, I said, you know what? (laughs) I said, you know what? I I don't even know why I'm pulling punches for people who don't care if I live or die. Literally don't care. So I'm done with the pulling of the punches. And I also felt like it was time to fully integrate my queer identity into my business and stop trying to... I, I hate to say pass, especially yeah. considering you know what a bad, uh, what a negative word that is to Black Americans to pass. Right, right. And why right. would you do that in any capacity? It's harmful to you, and it's harmful to all the other people who share that identity with you that can't pass. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> That's it's awesome. been
0: a major eye opener. For you, was there ever a time when you hesitated or you felt any fear around incorporating your gayness into your
2: business? Or did yeah. you always know you wanted to lead with that? Well, and it's a fantastic question. And thank you for that. You know, top dog learning groups, I've always, I've always been out. I mean, once I figured my authentic self out at the ripe old age of 24, so that was three years ago, just kidding. Uh, it was a while ago because um, I'm pushing 50. But um, oh, you so, look
0: amazing. Yeah, it's is a really great living does.
2: It's a great filter on my Zoom. <laughs> um, no, so so when um, when I figured my authentic stuff out, it was after undergrad, and and it wasn't that I was like I just didn't know, you know, and and so I finally figured that out right as I was starting my real professional life, and I was like, you know, I'm not gonna hide. It took me four, 24 years to figure it out. I'm not gonna hide it. However, you know, this is in the 1990s, so um, the world was a little different, and so I was very selective in who I told, and, and so but it it was like this. Constant coming out process, literally like every person in my office that I met, it's like, you know, getting that trust and going through there. But I I didn't want to ever hide myself. And I've always been very comfortable with confrontation because I think it actually can lead to good stuff if it's done well and done from a, a position of respect. And I remember early on you know, being in the restroom at this particular uh, software company I was working at in 1994. These two guys were in there you know, washing their hands whatever making a gay joke. And I finally went out and, and I'm like, I brand new to the company. And I went, you know, I just want to let you know that those really are offensive conversation points because I'm gay and that's just not cool. And I just walked out like, and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it was like awesome. And, and, and since then, I've kind of like used that as like the stepping stone, but flash forward to you know I go into well when we could, uh, one of the things that Top Dog does is we do stand up training, so we go into to clients' places and do like multi day leadership workshops, and, and these are like Fortune 500 big companies, and every single time I, I go into those conversations, I have to come out, and so during the and and I, I kind of got it down to the science because this particular client's been like ten years, but during the introduction, everyone kind of goes around There's like twenty people in the room. And you know, it's like, who are you? Uh, what do you do? And what do you like? And so I always go last. And I said, who am I? What do I do? And then, what do I like? I'm like, well, I like my dogs. I like my kids. And I'm like, well, I should say I like my husband because it's been like 22 years. And I just kind of leave it at that. And you, know, you drop the little kernel and then you walk away. And, and you just, it's just really fun to watch and read the room. So that was kind of the cool way for me to embrace it. And, and also, I also know the organizational culture that for my clients, embracing diversity inclusion at least is a, a poster on the wall. So they have to do that, quote unquote, have to. Flash forward to last summer when my book Pride Leadership came out and I created the subbrand, The Gay Leadership Dude. Now there's no hiding that. You know <laughs> by saying the gay leadership dude, you know three things about me I am gay, I self identify as a dude, and I like leadership, and so that's you know pretty out there, but I like that and I, I I appreciate that and i I have two brands, I have two website kind of things, but they're slowly kind of coming together or they're wickedly obvious that they're intertwined and i'm I'm way okay with that
0: Oh, I love that, I love that, and I want to hear more about the book as well because you mentioned that People who are LGBTQIA+ or in any way marginalized may already have some leadership skills that come just naturally navigating life as a person who's being marginalized. Now, when did you realize that that being gay had actually given you a special skill set for leadership? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it was okay, so a couple years ago, I was at my first NGLCC conference, if you're not familiar with them. Uh, for the listeners who aren't familiar with them, it's the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. So most cities and then, of course, the nation has a chamber of commerce They're there to promote business. Well, there's 52 um, chapters and then there's the mothership in D.C. that are basically for queer businesses and the foster businesses uh, who are in our community. I really wasn't part of them. So my very first conference, I'm in Philly. And it's fourth session, and I'm sorting my business cards. I've gotten like a good little you know, nerdy business person. And there's this woman who's gorgeously doing the same thing. We just struck up a conversation. And she's like, what do you do? And I can, like, oh, diversity, inclusion, consulting, leadership, blah, blah. And I said, you? She's like, well, I'm a publisher. I'm like, you know, there's a book, a leadership book in my head that needs to come out. She's like, "Well, let's chat." And so, you know, this Jen is now my publisher, Publisher Purpose Press, amazing group, and um, and it's about fifty percent queer, fifty percent not, but a hundred percent people who are passionate about their story, and that's kind of the mm. the commonality. So as we I started to outline the book it was just going to be a generic leadership book. And then I started looking at my my uh, queer peers around me and I do a lot of um you know this local and national um advocacy work on behalf of our our the queer community. And I'm watching now all of my gay brothers and sisters who are leading different efforts, you know, whether it be the, the queer youth group here in Central Florida, um, you know, the, the local chapter of the Human Rights Campaign. I was in charge at the time of them Out and Equal. We have one consortium uh, after the Pulse massacre. All uh, I think at the time it was like 29 LGBTQ organizations got together and formed what's called the One Orlando Alliance, which still works to this mm-hmm. day. It's a beautiful kind of like clearinghouse. So watching the leadership there, and I was doing work with there. And then um to date myself, if you've ever seen Sex in the City, yes. Carrie Bradshaw, I couldn't help but wonder, it kinda of went through my head, and I'm like, I couldn't help but wonder, is our gayness, to use the generic term, something that's impacting our leadership success? And that's kind of what made me shift. And make the focus for pride leadership be that kind of hypothesis. Does does being queer give you an opportunity to exercise some of the key leadership competencies that I've seen people just who have them rocking and rolling in the generic world just really be great? So, for example, authenticity. If you look at um, you know the Bernie Browns and all the cool leadership folks out there are saying things like, if you're authentic as a leader, you're so much more successful. Why? Well, you build trust. People can relate to you, et cetera, et cetera. We'll now put that through the lens of being a queer person. If I'm out at work, how much more authentic can I be? If, right. I'm, uh, if I'm showing my true gender identity, gender expression in the workplace, my goodness, that's powerful stuff. And so that's kind of how pride leadership uh, talks. And it goes through, I, see, I, have, I have visuals. It goes through six competencies, my mouse pad, oh, my uh, mouse <laughs> six bed. competencies um, that focus on the different areas that uh, if a leader really develops authenticity, courage, empathy, communication, relationships, and culture, they are setting themselves up just to be even more successful than those who don't look in those areas.
0: Oh, I love that. And that makes so, so much sense.
2: Yeah. It, and it's, it's, you know, I know when I was a young gayling, someone said to me, hey, little gay boy who wants to be a leader, you can do it. And here's how. And you have a little special secret magic sauce. That's kind of cool. I mean, I would love to have heard that, and so I've been hearing some things, even from straight allies who are going through my book. and And there's a an eight week online training program that dives deeper into it. Who are just like, this makes total sense, and I can relate it to me as a woman, or me as as an Indian American man, or like it's it's just been really really exciting to hear that it's not just a, just a queer message. Um, when I um when my editor read the first manuscript, which was like so nervous because it's like no one in the universe except for me has done this. And so we sat down on a on a phone call and her name's Heather. And Heather's like, okay, Steve, I have to tell you, I'm not your target audience. I'm a white cisgendered straight woman. I'm like, she's like, this is the book I wanted during my MBA program. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so she, she goes, it's really funny. It's cheeky dad humor. Of course, you can probably figure that's my personality. Um, I mean, I, I'm an academic. I have a doctorate. I know how to write that way. And that's a horrible way for people to absorb data and to remember things that change their behavior. So I made it very cheeky and funny. Um, there's a lot of queer jokes like, you know, in the communication chapter. Uh, one subheading is storytelling like Tori Spelling. And like, it's stupid things like that. You know, find your own RuPaul when it talks about mentoring. But
0: oh, I'm into it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all well-researched leadership traits and experiences and resources that I found in my 25 years of doing this stuff to be of value. And I just kind of, um, I didn't reinvent the wheel, I'll be the first to admit it, but I put it in a different and hopefully more accessible package, but I did put it through the queer lens. And I don't really think there's a whole lot of others out there that do that.
0: I mean, and that's really important too, because I think there's a lot of people who have a book in them or have some other project they want to do. But they stop because they're like, oh, it's already been done before. But you haven't done it. And it's different when, like you said, everybody has their own lens. So two people can deliver the same message and you can receive it from one and the other. If you are tired of digging through shit to find tools that you can use, you need to check out the Body Liberation Community. This community is centered on BIPOC and LGBTQIA plus folks. It's centered on health and happiness, wellness tools, specifically for these marginalized identities. As your queer Black registered dietitian, all of the content that I create is with these identities in mind. No more parsing through generic, het, cyst-centered nonsense that may or may not apply to your lived experience. This wellness community is all about you. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and see how much you love it with the one-week risk-free trial. There's literally nothing for you to lose. And I love to hear that because i i think about this a lot if you create something for an audience that you know has been underserved and neglected yeah. so that they don't have to dig through like trash to find a self-help message that's tailored for them right. i wondered would the majority pick it up but it's great to hear that you deliberately marketed to your target people yep. but other people Came right in as well. I guess when you're not being marginalized, you think you're welcome everywhere. Right. <laughs> so you just just walk in it. the door. Hey. <laughs> so that's a good thing from the perspective of don't compromise your message thinking yeah. that you're gonna alienate all the allies.
2: Well, and, and it's funny because the rest of that conversation with Heather, the editor, was you need to take the next version and de gay it. I'm like I love what you're saying, but no, <laughs> and I, I said, I said maybe a couple years from now when I feel that, that my queer brothers and sisters got what they need out of it. And then, you know, share it with the rest. I said, but right now, no, I'm huddling to my peeps. Go away.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I have so many people I want to forward this to, because most of my friends and I were in our thirties and we're starting to get it together. um, (laughs) Pandemic be
2: damned. Exactly.
0: Right. (laughs) Just really trying to move forward with more leadership positions. And a lot of us are working in DEI. So I think it, it's nice. going to be an awesome, awesome resource.
2: Well, and and um and and you know, we'll share kind of some some stuff at the end that I'm giving away like one of the chapters for free and and um just to kind of get it out there and then um I am doing a, a free plus shipping for the book so you just cover like shipping and handling which is kind of fun but I I do have the audiobook now and really funny story so that was always in the plans um, so my publisher had said you know get the book physical book out. Around the one-year anniversary, audiobook is a good drop. It kind of refreshes everything, blah, blah. So that was the plan. COVID happened. So I started working with the, the audio producer. And the way it typically works is we get online at the same time on some fancy little website. And I read and read the book into my microphone. And then he'll stop me. It's Guy Paul. And he's like, okay, go back and do that sentence again. Or your word was muffled. or So you kind of edit it as you go along. Well, as we started to do that, internet traffic was so horrible uh-huh. that we kept dropping audio and audio packets on the internet are very sensitive. So he's like, okay, you have one of two choices. You can go find a studio in Orlando, Florida uh, for $10,000 a day. I'm like, and no, oh, what? <laughs> he's, he's like, or, and I already have the software to do it. on." My, he's like, you can do it on your own. You just have to find a quiet place. And I'm like, all right, so I'll do that. So I'm looking at my house, and you know it's a 1950s house here, my husband and I. And the best place to read my audiobook, ironically, was in my closet. So my gay <laughs> leadership book was 65 <laughs> hours in the closet. There you go. And and so I have a picture of me um, somewhere where, like, I'm I'm huddled, and, and the air co- the closet's not air conditioned, so that was uh. even more fun. And in you know, once May kind of rolled around, but I have like like a little soundproof box with my microphones in, and then I have one of my dogs' dog beds over me just to muffle the sound and. It was ridiculous, (laughs) but it sounds good.
0: (laughs) I know so many podcasters can relate to that. Like I recently um, changed the flooring in my house and I really wanted this hardwood and didn't know how much it was going to change my sound. And so usually when I'm doing audio only, I'm like under a blanket and it's a whole thing. It's really hot under there. People don't understand the sacrifice, but um, I have heard like you can put moving blankets on the floor, but I keep getting to do that.
2: I I have um I've learned like I have towels all over my desk because it's so hard just to kind of like absorb some of the sound. I get <laughs> it. I insider get insider
0: tips, people. <laughs> okay, <it's> in <laughs> now another one of the things you explain you do at Top Dog is teach soft skills. What do mm-hmm. you consider to be a soft skill, and how come so many grown ups don't have
2: that? <laughs> That's an awesome <laughs> question. Um, so soft skills to me is anything that involves being a more effective human to others. So if you look at, there's leadership and management. Um, Management is kind of like the doing of tasks. You know, I'm going to be an accountant, so I need to do my debits and credits and all that fun stuff. Where leadership is more about the nuance on how you interact with people, how you, you motivate or, or you don't motivate people, but you set the environment up for them to be self motivated, how you communicate, how you empathize, all those different fun types of things. And so that's where we focus. And, and ultimately, you know, with the relationship to our clients, that leads to business success. And, and, and while it also leads to hopefully human success, you're a better human for being doing this. But in the framework of the work that we do, the organization benefits from that, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a Fortune 500, whether it's whomever. Um, why don't humans have these skills? I don't know. <laughs> um, some people do, some people don't. And you know, people are like, is leadership born or is it something you learn? And I say, yes. I think it's both. Um, it's it, To me, it's like any... Athletic ability. Some people are just gifted at it. Some people are just people persons, quote unquote, bunny ears. Um, some people, you know, they they don't have the gift, but they work darn hard at it, and they and the end results the same. And so I think um, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that effective leaders can teach themselves to be effective. Uh, some have the gift, some don't. But all of us, if we work hard enough at it, just like any other competency or skill, we can absolutely be successful at it.
0: That is encouraging because I think most people, when they're dropped into a leadership position, they don't get any training specific to leadership. So you get promoted because you did well in another area where maybe you had no direct reports or you just had a couple. And yeah, there's a lot of room (laughs) for disaster when no one instructs you formally on how to approach leadership.
2: Well, and and I actually, I talk about that in the book because I say, Delia, you're exactly spot on you know, let's say I'm an accountant. I am not, but let's say I'm an accountant and I'm such a rock star accountant that what happens to me typically, I keep working my way up the ranks and suddenly, yay, I'm head of accountants. Well, I didn't study that typically. Right. Um, I studied debits and credits and looking at how to you know, look at the numbers and the P&L statement and all that fun stuff. And so now I'm at this deficiency where I'm I'm in a role. Yes, I have to understand what my, my, my peeps do, but that's not my job is Is to do that work. It's just to manage the people who do the work. And what you often see with some leaders who aren't savvy enough is what? where do they veer? They veer to micromanage because, ah, oh, that's my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times it's that unconscious bias for the work that I used to do. And that's a comfort zone. I gravitate toward there when I'm not paying attention to the, the people side of what I should be doing in my role as a leader, especially of a leader of a team or a department.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's an interesting application of the term unconscious bias. So I hadn't thought of it in terms of something that doesn't have to do with diversity and inclusion. So unconscious bias goes beyond that.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, and, and when, you, when you think about bias, the, just the concept of bias, bias is a proclivity for or against someone or something based upon a demographic or data point. So for example, um, I use this story from several years ago I, you know, I have two nieces and two nephews and my one niece, she, you know, we had this little special bond when we were, when she was younger, before she went to college and just became this really awesome rock star. I'm, I i do not need anybody, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, in, in like, like early in her, her high school, um, I remember getting a call from my sister-in-law and, uh, she's like, oh, uncle Steven, guess who got detention? I'm like, what there's no way she got detention. she's a rock star, she's so sweet, no way she didn't mouth off. so that was at that moment displaying my bias for my niece, and so biases happen that way, whether consciously or unconsciously and and so it can apply to people, but it can also apply to situations, contexts, jobs, you know we have a, that proclivity for or against, and sometimes when we don't even realize it's happening, that's where that's the unconscious word comes into play.
0: And how do people go about becoming aware of those and deciding which ones are harmful and which ones maybe yeah. you want to leave? Because I don't think it really hurts to be biased in favor of your family.
2: But it could be, because if I'm tr- treating, you know, in this case, my niece favorable. When, if I look at the the playing field, yes, yeah, she was kind of being a jerk and she deserved what she got. And, you know, once I peel that back, but, you know, like that, and that's where that, that favoritism can get in the way. And I, in the context of say, like being a leader, if you are delegating a task and you look at yourself, always delegating a task to the same person or persons, mm-hmm. you have to take that step back and say, why is it? I trust them more. Okay. Well, that's something you can kind of dive deeper. Is it unconsciously? Ah, they look like me. Ah, that's a white gay dude. Of course, I'm going to trust him more. That's a problem. Um, Mm. or is it something else, you know, and it could be something as trivial as, Oh, you went to the same university as I did. Then I, I like you better, you know. And that's that's we need to be mindful of that. And and to your point, how do you see these things happen? I know in my book I talk about what's called a drone perspective. They used to call it a helicopter perspective, but drones are cooler. So you know, I use drones. Um, but it's like, how can you get out of your own head and watch the situation? from above, like being in a little drone. Um, and there's lots of different ways you can do that. Um, when it comes to bias toward people or unconscious bias toward people, there's the implicit association test, IAT, or you can just Google project implicit. There's this free assessment to start to explore your own unconscious biases. Well researched, really awesome group. It's a great place to start. Uh, mindful meditation is another thing. And if someone's there like, ooh, meditation, it's not the granola crunchiness. It's, a way to calm your brain and to look at this, the situation without judgment. And that's what we want to start doing as, as leaders, especially, is you stop yourself and you second guess, why did I just do that? Why did I just say that? And really understanding the behaviors behind the whys. Why did I delegate that task? Or why did I decide to walk across the street when those other people were coming this way? Mm. And is that a bias that's popping up, or was it, oh, this is just shadier side and that's what happened? Great. It's just having that awareness to understand why you say things and why you do things the way you do them. Oh, yeah. Mindfulness meditation.
0: Now, that seems to be something that almost everybody struggles with. Yeah. So, what is an entry point you? Recommend, especially for people who are super analytical and business minded, who are like, eh, like next you'll be giving me crystals. Like I don't know about right, that. Exactly. How do you start? Um,
2: so I get, I, I preface this by saying I try to be um, vendor and resource agnostic. Uh, I get no, except for my own stuff, of course. But um, <laughs> um, but I say this because it's just something that I've explored, and I know there's other great resources. I started getting into mindful meditation for two reasons. One. I started hearing like Harvard Business uh, School was teaching their students how to do that. And I'm like, what? And it's because you see all these C-level executives who are getting into mindfulness because it's making them better leaders and making better decisions. And so, you know, if, if you're, to your point, if you're thinking, ooh, it's granola crunchy, um, you know, crystal-y kind of stuff, it's not. It's just a better way to think. And so um, that's kind of one thing that got me into it. And then I personally use the app called Headspace. There's a lot of awesome ones out there. And and if anyone here uh, or listening practices yoga, um, my husband and I do um, power yoga, if you will. But all yogis, all yoga practices have some sort of what really is like a mindful meditation type thing in it. And that's also a a really easy way to kind of start is go to your local gym when you can or get on YouTube and find a yoga app or yoga thing and and kind of play around with it from there.
0: Okay, awesome. That's very unintimidating. Like Perfect. Good place to start. So it really sounds like this is kind of an intersection between self-improvement and being a better leader. So it will influence your life as well. So you, I'm assuming you don't have to be a leader by title to benefit.
2: No. And in matter of fact, uh, in the preface of my book, um, In Pride Leadership, I say, let me define a leader. And basically it's anybody who has influence over others within the workplace or beyond. So that's pretty much everybody on purpose. I've worked with way too many businesses and clients who say a leader is a leader of people. And I'm like shenanigans. You know, I can be an individual contributor and still have massive influence over my peers and even some of the, the leaders within the business. So to me, a leader is anybody who wants to exercise that influence and hopefully for the better uh, for the organization as well as the individuals involved.
0: I can see that being really useful now for people who are just getting their feet wet social justice who question the value of their own voice and they question whether or not they should be trying to lead anyone to do
2: anything. And and I think one of the the most empowering things for any leader, despite where you're at in your, your progression on that leadership ladder, is to be the voice and ask the questions and, and whether you're an ally, whether you're involved in the group, doesn't matter. It's, it's the opportunity to, to, to ask the why. And, and I, I say in some of my leadership workshops, you know, does anyone here have three-year-olds? What's their favorite word? Why, why, why? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a smart leadership trait. I mean, don't be annoying with it, of course, <laughs> but, uh, but ask the whys within the organization. Why are we as social justice advocates, why are we going down this way? And it's just almost that check-in to be like, oh, yeah, maybe we should pivot to somewhere else or we're doing it this way because, okay, cool, just validating, let's keep moving forward. And I think that's a great place for any leader to kind of have that focus.
0: I love that. I love that. This has been so useful. How do we connect to you and where do we get the book?
2: Uh, so the the best way is uh, in the show notes, there'll be a link for, um, it'll it'll actually take you to Um, my opt in page. So we, you know, I have a newsletter and I I give out free stuff all the time just because it's fun to do and helps people be fun. So, uh, just to kind of get involved in that, once you do that, you'll get, uh, the first, um, one of the chapters of Pride Leadership available. You'll also then see at the bottom where you can kind of get a link to the, um, free plus shipping offer we're doing for the Pride Leadership book. Uh, like I said, I have like, uh, about 40 books underneath my desk right now (laughs) waiting for homes. So you'll just see the link there. And that's kind of the best way to find out about the book as well as, a little bit more about Top Dog and what we can do for you. Awesome. And if there
0: is one little bit of advice you could give to like 10-year-old you, what would it be?
2: <laughs> Besides wear sunscreen. Um, no, I really mean that, wear sunscreen. Um, the best advice for 10-year-old me would be to say, don't be afraid to be your authentic self once you know what that means. And and I think um, I think there's a lot of pressure on young People to figure that out really early. And I, I you know, back in my day, you now I still ain't an adult person, but back in my day, the word queer was not cool. Um, I was called, you know, I was called that as a horrible way of defining me as a kid. So. That word has wonderfully shifted, and I like how, especially uh, younger folks who, who are you know queer or questioning, is an awesome position to be in because it's really allowing you that time to explore your authenticity and embrace that. And once you have that figured out, if you do, um, then embrace it and don't hide it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. If
0: you got as much out of that conversation as I did please be sure to share this episode. I have already ordered my book and I am really looking forward to reading Pride Leadership. Check out the show notes so you can see the links to get connected to our gay leadership dude, how you can get a copy of the book as well. If you haven't already, make sure you check out the Body Liberation Community. So for the sake of simplicity now, To get you there, I've developed a straightforward link. You just go to bodyliberationtribe.com and you will find the community. It is the place to be if you're really ready to receive wellness tools and happiness tools that are crafted specifically for you. No more digging through scraps for you. You are better than that. I've developed these tools as a gift For the communities that I myself belong to. Okay, everyone, I look forward to connecting to you next time. Remember, it'll be the week after next. We are going to be having an incredible conversation about something that we all know is a big part of the human experience, and that is sexuality. But from a bit of a different perspective, because it's something that we typically think that you only have access to under certain circumstances, that mobility can be a barrier, that body size can be a barrier, that symmetry, honestly, can even be a barrier. But sexuality can be accessible to everyone, should they so desire to access it. So make sure you don't miss this episode. It's another amazing conversation. I love having these conversations and can't wait to share this one with you. All right. Be well. Stay safe. I will see you next time.
1: Yeah, they might try to put you in a box. Tell them that you don't accept. When the world is tripping out, tell them that you love yourself. Hey. hey smile on them live your life just how you like it it's your party negativity is not invited for my queer folk my trans people of color let your voice be heard look in the mirror and say that it's time to put me first you were born to win head up high with confidence this show is for everyone so i thank you for tuning in let's go